He is risen. I am so thankful. Time to celebrate. Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three. Got my living free guys out there tonight. Y'all here? Okay, good. Mary's house got the man there in the house. Now I love those guys. Special servants of God. And we're so privileged to have them part of our church. We just love them. All right. Tonight we're going to talk about the real deal in the book of Philippians. I'm going to teach tonight. And this is especially, I've heard thousands of sermons in my life. I've preached thousands. And uh, maybe I've, I've had about six or eight things in my 40 years that I've learned from the word and teaching and preaching that have just stuck with me. And I've used them all these years. I'm going to teach you one of those things tonight that should stick with you for the rest of your life. And you're going to need this. It's not the most spectacular, but you're going to need this for the rest of your life on this planet. Uh, I'm going to be stepping off this planet in a few years because I'm older than some of you. Some of you got a lot of things that you're going to see if you tarry till, if you're here till Jesus gets back, if he tarries. And I'm going to give you something that should last you for a lifetime. We're going to talk tonight about the real deal. What is real? How do you find out whether it's real or not? Now we're going to talk about Jesus, faith matters, people and whatnot. I don't know if you remember this or not. When I was a kid and I, uh, back um, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, there was a, t- a TV show on called What's My Line? I think I've referenced it before. What's My Line? And you had uh, three people. One of them had done something famous, but he wasn't well known. And uh, the other two were imposters. And all three pretended to be this one person. And they had a panel and they would ask questions and they tried to figure out which one's the real deal and which two were the fakes. And the show always ended by saying, well, the real Otis Smell Fungus, please stand up, or whatever his name was. Well, the real, and the, the real one stood up and they were to try to find out, did they, other, did they fall for the imposters? Did they know who the real one was out of the three? All right, Demons, we need to talk about something tonight. You're gonna need this for the rest of your life. Who are the people of God? Who are the real people of God? And we need to look at this. And this is that place in the Bible tonight that identifies these that you saw. Brother Brian, if they go to church and, and, they're, and they're religious, you know they got to be the people of God. Nay, nay. And we need to see this tonight. And this is that passage in scripture where he says, I want to teach you how to identify what is of God and what is not of God. You are going to need this in the coming days because we're going into days of great deception. And you need to see this. Let's read just a few verses. Philippians chapter three. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write these things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Do you ever notice how often in this man's writings, he talked about, I want you to be safe. I'm trying to protect you. In the greatest teaching he wrote right before he died in the book of Acts, he said, I'm fixing to leave. And he said, I, he said, I warn you. He said, after I'm gone, grievous wolves are going to come into the house of God, not sparing the flock. And I remind you, protect yourselves. And often in his writings, he said, I, I want you to be safe. I want to warn you. And then he said this, he gives you in verse two, three things to beware of. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. What in the world? Why would God Almighty say to me, Beware of dogs, evil workers, the mutilation. What, what, is he, what are these things? Sounds bad, doesn't it? And he says, what does beware mean? I was a country preacher in Peachland, North Carolina one time. I mean, they don't get sunshine till Thursday that you get on Sunday. I mean, son, you, you don't know country till you've been there. And I would pull up in my truck to an old farmhouse and there'd be a hand written sign out there, beware of dog. 
Only a fool would get out of his truck after seeing that sign. And I mean, that, those dogs would eat you. And if the sign was up there, a lot of times the sign wasn't even there. I learned even if there is no sign, you don't get out. You just open the door and close it like you're getting out. And uh, I learned, you don't mess with them dogs. They'll, they'll eat you. You know, a lot of people say, well, my dog won't bite. Those folks tell me my dog will kill you. Don't get out over there. And why does he tell me and you, I want you to, why would, and remember, this is not just then. This is the word of God through the ages. What is it that God wants me to beware of in modern times? And then he makes an identification verse. And this is the verse we're going to look at tonight, verse three, when he said this, we are the circumcision where it says circumcision. You can put true people of God. And he gives you three identifying marks. We are the circumcision people of God who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That is the all time measuring stick always has been, always will be for who are the true people of God. There's three identifying marks for God's people. They rejoice, uh, excuse me, they're a people of the spirit. They rejoice in Christ Jesus and they cannot stand the flesh. They have no regard or no confidence uh, for the flesh. Now through history, there's always been this running war about who is the people of God and who is not. Matter of fact, in the great, uh, we're not gonna take time to look at it, but in the amazing debate where Jesus squared off with all of the preachers of his day, they got into a lengthy debate and it goes through all of John chapter eight, where Jesus said to them, you are not of God. And they, they waxed ugly on him. And they said, you're, you're, you're an illegitimate Samaritan and you got a demon. Could you imagine preachers saying that to God? And Jesus said, I don't have a demon. You're of your father, the devil. And I mean, they went at it and they, they and they just, they said, are you greater than Abraham? He said, before Abraham even existed, I am. He said, I was, I was here before Abraham was ever born. And Abraham had lived 1800 years before Jesus. And that's when they picked up rocks and tried to kill him. So one place where they tried to kill Jesus, they tried to stone him before he went to the cross. And it was a debate over which one of us is of God and which one of us is of not. Now let's, let's just, let's just have a contest right here. All right. The preachers said they were of God and Jesus was of the devil. Jesus said, I am of God and you are of your father, the devil. And listen to this. Listen, you say, well, Jesus said, you do the works of your father, the devil. What in the God's heaven were they doing? I mean, if you're doing the works of the devil, what are you doing? Were they pimping children and running a crack house? What were they doing? Going to church every time the doors were open. Kept every one of the 10 commandments. Did good works memorized the first five books of the Bible. And Jesus said, you do the works of the devil. And there was a bang in that thing. All right, let's, let's, let's vote. How many of you think the preachers were right and Jesus was wrong? That's what I expected. You've got the perspective of history looking back. They didn't have it. How many of you think Jesus was right and the preachers were wrong? All right, I mean, that was, that was easy right there. But what about today? How many groups in this land and across the globe claim to be, we're the people of God and they're not. And, and there, there's a, how do you know who is and who isn't? You know, this one says it's Buddha. This one says it's Jesus. And even within the camp of everybody that claims Jesus, how do you know if they're real or they're phonies? How do you know this kind of stuff? This is so, you say it's not complicated. It's so simple. Right there it is. You can always go back to Philippians chapter three, verse three. And this is who, the, still to this day, this is the true circumcision. This is how you can always discern between the truth. Now, here's why you need to know this. Let me give you a few quick prophecies concerning, how many of you believe Jesus is coming back to earth? Amen. That's good. By the way, that's good. 
Jesus is coming back to earth. Now listen to what Jesus himself said. Before I come back to this earth, many deceivers will arise and lead many astray. That's Matthew chapter 24. Second Corinthians chapter 11 uh, says that in that day, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light and his ministers will disguise themselves as people of God. How could you tell the difference? How will you know? How do you know you won't be deceived? And uh, Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 23, Jesus said this, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my father. Jesus said, now listen to these words. In the final day, many people will say, have we not done many marvelous works in God's name? And I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. So scripture is very consistent across the spectrum that in the latter days, a great deception will come. Now listen to me carefully. It's one thing to say, I don't believe in this God stuff. I don't want to hear this God stuff. It's one thing to reject God knowing you're doing it. But how tragic would it be to think you were the people of God only to one day find out you didn't even know him. That's the great tragedy. And so I want to give you a tool tonight that you can use for the rest of your life. And uh, how can I know today who is of God and who is not? It, you say, we well, just can't know till you get there. Listen, you see that book right there? That book will lead you into all truth. And you need to cling to this book. I've never seen a day like, I've been doing this 40 years. I've never seen a day like this where ministers are saying, don't go by what the Bible says, listen to the dream I had. Listen, you had better stick with this book. I love you. And I like Paul, savage wolves are coming in. And I'm gonna give you an example. If this offends you, I'm sorry. But there comes a time to care for people. Just this past week, a new denomination was started in our nation. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Methodist Church, the United Methodist denomination, will fragment and split this year at the annual debate. There's a lot. Matter of fact, it is the majority of the delegates of the Methodist Church in America are going to vote to divide the denomination and break it in half. And they're going to start a new denomination. It'll be the larger of the two. And their agenda is going to be built around pushing the lesbian, gay, transvestite, transgender agenda and promoting this type lifestyle. And that is going to be the majority of the Methodist delegates and they'll split the convention and they're going to start a new denomination, a new organization. And that's going to be their thrust from now here on out. Uh, John Wesley started the Methodist church. He'd burn it to the ground if he were alive today. And you say, well, you shouldn't be ugly about stuff like this. We're not talking about favorite stuff. We're talking about life or death here. We're talking about people's eternal souls here. You say, well, Brother Brian, what, who are you to judge them? I am, listen, God forbid that I should judge anybody. But you see this book right here. Anything that is clearly against the teaching of this book did not come from heaven. Amen. And you need, we need to settle this issue. You, you, we're not talking about some weirdo out in California who's got flowers draped around his head. We're talking about what used to be the main teachers of the Bible in this generation. And it shows you, as the scripture said, let me quote one more. In the latter days, many will fall from the head faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines or the teachings of demons. And you need to settle this issue right here. And from this day forward, we're going to look in the scriptures. You're going to know this. And uh, in the Bible, the scripture teaches us this. Uh, by the way, let me go back to verse two, where he said, I, 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 want, I want you to be safe. Verse one, he said, I'm concerned about you. I want you to be safe. Verse two, he said this. You look out for these people. It was if God tells me to look out for somebody, I'm going to do it. And he lists three things. He said, I want you to beware of dogs. I want you to beware of verse two. 
I want you to be aware of, I've got to go back to Philippians 3. I want you to be aware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of the circumcision. Who's he talking about? Ministers. Every one of those is a reference to ministers or church people. You said, Brother Mark, why would you call church people dogs? I didn't write this. I didn't write this. Uh, evil workers who go to church, tithe, keep the Ten Commandments, anything that departs from Jesus. And then, of course, the hint is in the word circumcision. So we're not talking about the great battle of circumcision here. And it all just boils down. He said, I want you to be aware of religious people. Do you remember anywhere else in the Bible where Jesus told you to be aware of something? He told you in Matthew 16, 6, he said, beware of the leaven, the teaching of ministers that don't know me personally, the Pharisees. And so we're going to look at this. And he said, and just, well, Brother Brian, how, how do I know if I see a preacher on TV or I go visit my aunt's church or what if you lose your mind? How will we know it? Do you ever wonder why I tell you, bring your Bible and look and see if I'm telling you truth out of the Bible? Stick with the Bible. I'll be gone one day. That book will be here forever. All right, and he says, it's so simple. Here it is. He said, beware of these people. Here's how you'll know the real people. He said, they are people of the Spirit. All their joys in Jesus, they want nothing to do with the flesh. That's your test for the rest of your life. Number one, let's look at verse three. Number one. The Bible said that we're of the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, or let me say this, they worship in the spirit of God. Now, when you think worship, what do you think of? You think of the music? That's not the word worship in the Bible. It is used for that. But then was the word worship in the Bible is much bigger. It means everything to do in my relationship with God. Everything. For instance, Romans chapter 12 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, give yourself completely to God. Give your life to God. This is your reasonable worship. There's no singing there. That's just, I give myself to God. That's my worship. Abraham took his son, went up on the mountain. He said, I and the lad go yonder to worship. There wasn't no music up there. He was going to sacrifice his son to God. So when the word worships in the Bible, it means my relationship to God. Here's the mark of true circumcision. They deal with God in the spirit. And there's a lot of people that are in Christianity today and they, don't, they sort of don't like the Holy Spirit. They are not the people of God. You, the, the people of God are a people of the Spirit. All right, now here, we're going to walk you through the Scripture to show you what this means. Number one, if they're people of the Spirit, they have to be born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit to be a child of God. Friend, if you're not born of the Spirit, you're not a child of God. I don't care if you're a preacher. You must be born of the Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 3. You've never seen this. Let's settle this once and for all. In John chapter three, a preacher, and he's one of the preachers that was in that argument. He comes to see Jesus by night. Why'd he come at night? He got in trouble for him to come during the day because this guy was part of the crowd that hated Jesus. But he, you know, he, he gets to looking at Jesus and he says, I know, I know my crowd thinks he's evil, but how's he raising dead people if he's bad? How's he healing crippled people if he's bad? And he comes to Jesus and he's, he's, he's questioning his own faith. And he wants to know about Jesus. And he comes to Jesus by night and he says, we, he said, I, our people hate you, but nobody could do what you do unless God's with you. So he's got some questions. And Jesus cuts straight to the chase in verse three. And Jesus answered and said to this preacher, most assuredly I to you, unless one is what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And this guy, he just freaks out. He says, okay, okay. So I go back inside my mama 
and I come back out again. And Jesus said, no, you're missing the whole point, doc. And he sort of mocked him. He said, you're a teacher of Israel. You don't know this stuff. Jesus answered in verse five, most assuredly, unless one is born of water and the spirit. What's water? Woman. You have to be born of a woman, obviously. And you have to be born of the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, woman in this case is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse eight, the wind blows where it wishes. You can hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Dear ones, every person must be born of the spirit to be in the family of God. Uh, you just can't have always been a Christian. You can't become a child of God by joining the church. You've got to have a meeting with God. You have to have an experience. You have to be born again. The spirit of God's got to come inside your heart. And so those of us that are born of the spirit and uh, listen, you, I know people that have learned Christianity 85% of Americans claim to be Christians. The 15% that ain't must have moved to North Carolina. Can I get a witness? I'm not being unkind. I love people. I'm not one of those people who bashes people. I'm just telling you, you must be born again to be a child of God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you have an experience with God. Now, you can be in church. All, you can learn to be an American Christian and not be a child of God. You can have a quote Christian personality. You know, a nice, mild-mannered person who's just generous and wants to give. That doesn't make you a child of God. You must be born of the Spirit. You have to have a meeting with the Spirit of God to be a child of God. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If any person does not have the Spirit of God, they are not a child of God. And how many Christians have I met through the years, Christians in churches that did not have the Spirit of God? I'll, I'll give you an example. And this is one of many I've seen through. This is so tragic. What would be tragic would be to grow up in a church, active in the church, serve in the church, teach Sunday school, but you've never been born of the Spirit and miss heaven by 90 miles. That would be tragic, would it not? I went to preach in a church years ago. I was candidating to be their pastor and uh, <clears throat> got there and I preached for a revival that week. And then they were going to vote the following Sunday. And the chairman of the pulpit committee, I'd met him. He came and said, he said, have you ever noticed that grouchy old man that sits over there? And I said, which one? He said, you know, over on the right, dark hair, tall. I said, yeah, I know him. He said, he can't stand you. I said, well, I, I'm sorry, but he's what's the chairman of our deacons. He said, he can't stand you. I said, well, what have I ever done to him? He said, he's never met you before. He said, he, every time you get around him, he just is bothered. He don't like you. He's chairman of our deacons. Well, I just made it a point to get around him then. I'm not to bother him. I just wanted to find out what the deal was. And you know what it, I found? Yeah, I had by the gift of discerning, you know what it turned out to be? He was chairman of the deacons, but he was not born again. He'd been raised in the church. He was a pretty good man. He was grouchy. We should tell you something. But he'd never been born again. And the spirit of God inside of me aggravated the spirit of the enemy inside of him. And that's why he was bothered. Then was, how many people have I met that are American Christians, but they've never been born of the spirit? That would be tragic. All right. Number two was, but people of the spirit, not only born of the spirit, but people of the, uh, people of the spirit, they bear the fruit of the spirit personally. It was if the Spirit of God's in you, has got to come out. If we're born of the Spirit, we've got to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You, you don't, listen, you can tell me you need to be nice, you need to be kind, you need to be patient. I know that. But there's something inside. If Jesus is on the inside, he's got to come out. Amen. Now we're all, listen, fruit doesn't pop out. Pop. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We're all growing. But was, I've known Christians, been Christians for 40 years. They're just as grouchy as the day they started coming to church. No improvement whatsoever. You say they're not trying. You don't try to be a Christian. 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Spirit of God should be changing my life. If Jesus is in me, something's going to be happening. And there was, if if we, we are a people who worship God in the Spirit, not in human effort. Now, granted, I, you know, if you cut me off, I might get irritated and I might try not to give you the finger. And that's cool. That's good. But there's some, God's got to be doing something inside of me. We're the people of God that the Spirit of God's working inside of. And the fruit of the Spirit's coming out of its growth. Number three, the people of God love the Holy Spirit and honor Him. I'm surprised that the people in churches that are, they just don't, I don't like, I've had people actually tell me, I love God the Father and God the Son. I don't like that Holy Spirit stuff. You're not born of God. <laughs> Friend, the people of God love the Holy Spirit. He, he is the Spirit of Jesus. How can you like Jesus and not like the Spirit of Jesus? It's the same person. They love and they honor the Holy Spirit. I've had people say, don't do that Holy Ghost stuff. They're, what do you mean Holy Ghost stuff? That's God. That's Him, Doc. How did we get so sick in our churches that we reject the Holy Spirit? Uh, what are y'all doing? If you don't let the Spirit of God come in, who are you worshiping? Are we crazy or what? We love and honor the Holy Spirit of God. Let me show you something. Turn with me to John chapter four. We're not far there. Turn the page or so. Once again, John chapter four. How many of you remember this? Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. How'd they start that discussion? It was an argument over who the true people of God were. She said, you know, I'm, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. She said, my people say this is the way we worship. You people say this is the way you worship. She said, which one of us is right? People have always been fussing about the right way to do church. Who's the right God? Do you, how do you do this stuff? They're, they're going at it again. And Jesus cuts to the chase and he says this in this argument. Verse 21 of John 4, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you don't worship on anybody's hill. Verse 23, the hour is coming and now is. What does now is mean? Right now, when the true worshipers, stop right there. If the Bible talks about true worshipers, then there must be false worshipers. The true worshipers will worship the Father, what? In the Spirit. You can't worship God apart from the Spirit. True worshipers worship God in the Spirit. And in truth, tell me what God's looking for. For the Father is seeking people to worship Him, what? In the Spirit. I love verse 24. God is Spirit. Notice God is a Spirit. God is Spirit. God is Spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So how do you take those two verses and reconcile with so many in churches today that don't want anything to do with the spirit stuff? God is spirit. He's looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth because he is. And uh, they just love and honor the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, the, the people of God, they love fellowship in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing they love more than for the Holy Spirit to draw near. The same Holy Spirit that thrills my soul aggravates the soul of people that aren't born again. Yeah. Same Holy Spirit that, that just blesses me and, and I long for the Holy Spirit bothers people that aren't born of God. Makes them mad. I don't like to be around Him like that. Number four in this area, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Those that are, are of the Spirit, people of the Spirit, they are led by the Holy Spirit. They're led by the Spirit. Now I want to throw this verse out here. I want you to listen to this. Romans eight fourteen says this. As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are the children of God. What's the identifying mark in the Bible of a child of God? It's because they go to church. Listen, the devil goes to church every Sunday. Can I get a witness? 
starts in the nursery. <laughs> the devil goes to church every Sunday. You, you can go to church and be of the devil. You say, well, they're, they're good people. Friend, a lot of good people don't know Jesus. We got to say, American goodness is not born of God. Let's settle this issue. What is the only identifying mark of a child of God in the Bible? As many of us are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. The people of God want to be led by the Holy Spirit. They want Him to direct their lives. They want Him to lead Him. They want to listen to Him. They want to honor Him. They want to be moved by Him. One of the great, great, uh, here's an actual hands-on experience. Acts chapter 13. You got this man, Paul, who's the greatest Christian that ever lived. And they're in their church there and the, the leaders get together and they're praying. Why would he have to pray to get to decide what to do? This man knows what he's doing. I mean, he wrote 17 books of the Bible. Do you know what he said? As they ministered to the Lord and waited, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, now send Paul and Barnabas on this job that I've called them on. They waited on the Holy Spirit to show them what to do. When they had problems in their church, Acts chapter 15, they got together, they prayed, listen to what they said. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do this. All through the Bible, they were led of the Spirit. They're, listen, the people of God are led of the Spirit. They honor Him. They want Him to direct their lives. They want Him to tell them what to do. They're just, just drawn up. All right, let me go a little further here. People of the Spirit, um, they only desire the work of the Spirit. All they want is the Holy Spirit to work in the earth. Now, let me teach you something here. Human ability can do a lot without God. Churches can do a lot with that. You don't need God to do things. You don't need God to do benevolent work. Say like you want to build a habitat house. I'm, that's great, wonderful. But you don't need God to build a habitat house. You don't need God to gather up food and go down and feed people on the corner. You don't need God to start a school and educate people. You, you can do a lot of things without God. But that's not the people of God. The people of God want to be a part of what the Holy Spirit's doing in the earth. They want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. They don't want to just have good human activity. True believers want the spirit ministry. Listen to what the Bible said in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house. And, and the people of God know the difference. How many churches have I been in that were, they were doing some things, but it wasn't of the Lord. It was just good stuff for people. You say, well, does it matter? Dear ones, if it's not of the spirit, it'll burn up on the day of judgment. It's got to be born of the Spirit. Didn't you read what Jesus said in John 3? That which is born of the Spirit. It's got to be birthed by Him. And uh, my greatest battle in the ministry through the years, I'm committed to the Holy Spirit. I love Him. Even in this place with my leadership here, my greatest battle is over this issue of could we stop doing good things and start listening to what God has to say? Could we quit just doing it because somebody thinks it's a good idea? Could we pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And it's, the, it's not the difference between good and evil. It's the difference between God and good. The greatest battle I face all the time. And then one more, let me throw in one more on people of the spirit. Dear ones, we are the true circumcision who everything we do is in the spirit. The people of God recognize when the spirit is gone. They, they recognize when God's not in the house and they recognize it at two levels. They recognize it personally. I know when the spirit of God has, has left me. Now, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean that he has abandoned me and I'm not a child of God, but I want you to listen to what David said in Psalm 51. He said, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. I don't want to lose the Spirit. I don't want to lose the touch of God on my life. I know when it's Brian doing something and when it's the Holy Spirit doing something. I know when it's plastic fruit and when it's real fruit. 
I know when I'm speaking in the anointing and when I'm up here by myself. And I'm going to tell you sometimes I preach by myself. He's not with me. And I think, let these poor people go get something to eat. Because the flesh just don't help people. They recognize when God's not in their lives. And uh, not only that, they recognize it in the church. Revelation chapter 3 the Holy Spirit said this, you won't let me in your church. Revelation three, he said, you say you're rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing. But he said, I say you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. When we first moved to Alamance County, I wasn't preaching at the time. And we visited 27 churches, most of them in this county. And without fail, I would leave saying, why did I bother going today? Good people, sincere people. Was, I don't go to church to be where good people are. I want to meet God when I go to church. I want the Lord to be in his holy temple. I want the presence of God to be there. I don't want to hear a man give a great speech. I want God to speak through a man to me. I don't want to just hear good music. I want the spirit of God to move through the music. Anyways, we, we, uh, we have mastered the art of church without God in this land today. What does the Bible say? We are the true circumcision who we do everything in the spirit. You say, man, you helped up on that spirit stuff. So is Jesus. That, that is the dividing issue. Now, let me, throw in a, let me throw in a disclaimer here that needs to be said in this day. We got a crowd running around claiming to be Holy Ghost people, and they scare me spitless. And they're weird. And they may even have a few spiritual gifts, but listen to me, they was weird before they got those gifts. The Holy Spirit is the most attractive, drawing, beautiful. He is Jesus. Jesus ain't weird. He acts a little unusual at times. But he can spit in my eye and make me well if he wants to. I don't care how he does it. There was a, if you're born of the Spirit, you are drawn to the Spirit of God. And we got a crowd running around claiming to be Holy Ghost doing the gooseneck and the squat and the roll in the dirt. And I'll just quit right there. Just warning. Philippians chapter 3 says this. We are the true circumcision who worship God in the spirit. We are people of the spirit. We love the Holy Spirit. What's the second thing he says? Philippians 3.3. 3. Number two, what's the second one? We rejoice in Christ Jesus. Number two, it is all about Jesus. The true people of God are obsessed with Jesus. I've heard people preach entire sermons, go through, in, God is my witness. Entire church services, the name of Jesus is never mentioned one time. Charles Stanley said, that's not a sermon, that's a speech is what that is. Dear ones, how can you be around a church and the name of Jesus is never mentioned? It is all about Jesus. We're the true circumcision who rejoice in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the star of the show. He's the reason for the show. He's the obsession of people's hearts. All right, let, me, let me give you some things about being obsessed with Jesus. I don't like that word obsessed. I am. Shame that I'm not more wanting to be more. We, we need to be just crazy about Jesus because it's all about him. Number one, Jesus is real to these people. If you're born of God, Jesus is real to you. Uh, he's, not some, he's not a Bible character to you. He's not something you read about and learned about. He's somebody that's real to you. John 14, 21, Jesus said this, keep my commandments, walk with me. I'll show you who I am. I'll manifest my, listen, Jesus is more real to me than you are. Now, granted, I've learned about him from the Bible. I've learned about his past in here and I've learned about what he's done. But let me tell you something. He walks with me and he talks with me. Jesus is real and he's, he's more real than, than what you can see with your eyes. 
Well, the true people of God, they rejoice in Jesus because he's real to them. He talks to them. Number two, that's number two. They hear his voice. The people of God hear the voice of Jesus. We won't look at it, but if you can mark it down, if you want to look it up, John chapter 10, verse 27, 29, all through there, Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. Listen, his voice is the sweetest voice. I live, my heart lives to hear the voice of Jesus. I love to hear Jesus. I just, nothing thrills me like Jesus. They live to hear his voice. Number three, Jesus is their great joy. Now, a lot of people go to church because you're supposed to, and you know, they, but let's get this church stuff out of the way and go have fun. Jesus is my whole fun. I mean, <laughs> every day with Jesus is tougher than the day before. Somebody should write a song like that. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I mean, Jesus is, uh, he, he's the, why do you think the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always? Delight yourself in the Lord. Now I like fishing, it's all right. If you're catching something, I like football. If they'll quit talking and start playing. There's a lot of things I like, but son, you give me time with Jesus, I am on. Because Jesus is wonderful. What is greater in all of creation than the one who created everything there is? And now Jesus is just wonderful. Number four, the love for Jesus is their whole motivation. Don't ever, I don't do, I'm not going to do anything except out of love for Jesus. Listen, the true people of God, they rejoice in Jesus. And if they teach, if they work in the nursery, if they, whatever they do, if they raise godly kids, they do it for one reason. Not, I guess I'll have to, he'll send me to hell. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? That's a blast. Tell me the motivation for everything we do. Love for Jesus. I want, I want you to look at something. Turn with me to John. You're in John. Turn to chapter 21. I'm fixing to set you free. If you're doing something you hate doing, but you're doing it because you're afraid God will give your kids leprosy, then I'm fixing to set you free. <laughs> afraid you'll make you marry you an ugly woman if you don't do it. I'm fixing to help you. Afraid he'll make you stay married to an ugly woman. You should have asked before you got married. John chapter 21. I don't know why we complicated this thing so much. We boogered it up. You don't know boogered up is that Hebrew phrase. In John 21, I want you to look at something with me. Verse 16, Jesus said to Simon, he's restored him. Jesus said again to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah. What do you ask, Simon? Do you love me? Dear ones, what's it all about? Is it about you sell more cars if you attend the local church? Is that what it's all about? Is it about going to church because your mom would be mad if you don't? Is that what it's all about? What's it all about? Jesus said, do you love me? Now, this thing's all about a man. His name is Jesus, and it's all about loving him. Jesus said to Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Simon said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, what? Care for people. Take care of people. Now, I want you to notice something in that verse with me. Did Jesus ask Simon if he liked tending sheep? Taking care of people gets you bit. Sheep are carnivores. Jesus didn't say to you, people say, well, I just love being a preacher. I love being a teacher. You're nuts. They'll bite you. I'm just going to, I'm going to, since it's just us now, can I confess to y'all the truth? Sometimes y'all put me into a cussing fit. I swear you do. <laughs> Not bad, bad words. I've never used God's name in vain for 45 years because the day I got saved, that demon was expelled from me. 
But y'all put me in a cussing fit sometimes. Most of the time I like you, but there's times I could pinch your head off and throw it in the bushes. <laughs> I don't do this because I like tending sheep. I'm getting too old for this mess. Question, did he ask him, do you like sheep? He didn't ask him that. What did he ask him? Do you love me? Dear ones, we are the people of God who everything we do is motivated by our love for Jesus. If we're going to, if we're going to help, if we're going to be an usher, if we're going to raise our kids godly, if we're going to be decent Christian witnesses where we work, if we're going to preach, if we're going to sing on the stage or play that bass guitar, doesn't have no head on it or nothing like that, whatever you're going to do, you don't do it because it gives you a buzz. You don't do it because of the, you do it because you love Jesus. We're the true circumcision who everything about us is the spirit. And we, it's just all about Jesus. We do what we do for Jesus. Now, Jay and Christy Doss, when they started living free, I laughed when they started because I'd been in ministry for a while. I knew what they was getting into. They didn't know. God don't tell you what you're getting into when he calls you. You'd never go. And they got into it and they've been doing this and they have been blessed. Living free blesses my soul. Mary's house blesses my soul because I see people get their lives straightened out. It's by the power of God. I see kids get their parents back, which is wonderful. But I'm telling you, they have been cut, wounded, bruised and suffered through that thing. It goes hand in hand. You can't help people without suffering. Let me say it another way. Has anybody here got a teenager? Because you cannot help people without getting fried once in a while. If you do it because you're having fun, you're nuts. Why do you do it? Because you love Jesus. You do it out of your love for Jesus, which all begins where? Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved me. Jesus loved me just like I was. And everything we do is born out of our love for Jesus. It's a whole motivation. And now let me throw the big one on you here. Turn back to the book of Philippians. I want to show you something. I'm fixing to show it to you here. We are the true people of God. We're all about the spirit. We worship in the spirit. We live in the spirit. We walk by the spirit. We're led of the spirit. We joy in Christ Jesus. And under Jesus is wonderful. We long for the day we see him face to face. Can I ask you a personal question? Think through this. Why do you want to go to heaven? Why do you want to go to heaven? You say, well, beast going to hell. That ain't much of a reason. And there are only two alternatives. I've had people who fuss because our services go too long. And you want to go to heaven forever? What do you think they do in heaven, Doc? Watch the NFL? Are you nuts? Now, granted, it'll be a step up from me speaking. Dear ones, if you don't like church where the Holy Spirit is, don't go to heaven. So I got nowhere else to go. Yes, you do. <laughs> If heaven is the least of two evils, something is wrong. Please listen to me. Heaven's not these dumb Southern gospel songs about gates of pearl and streets of gold. You know what Southern gospel is, don't you? Four guys all dressed alike singing, pointing to something nobody can see. All that stuff. It's not about the gates. It's not about the streets. Heaven is the face of Jesus. Heaven is where you get to see him face to face. If you don't like Jesus, why would you want to go there? Oh, my goodness. All right. Look with me in Philippians chapter one. Listen to this man's heart. Philippians chapter one. This man opens his heart right here. Verse 21, Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Jesus. To die is what? Better. Gains better. My goodness. 
if I live on in the flesh, if I stay in this body, it will mean fruit from my later. I can help people. Watch these words. What I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. What do you hear right there? This man is at a tug of war in his soul. He's uh, about 60 years old now. He's, he met Jesus face to face 30 years ago on the road to Damascus. He's walked with Jesus. He's talked with him. He's heard him in prayer. He's preached. He's been beat. He's been lied about. He's been shipwrecked. He's been abused. And can you hear the tug of war? I, I really want to stay here because I think I can help people, but I want to go see Jesus and I'm in a tug of war over which one. What do he say? I will choose whether I go to see Jesus or not. I get to choose this. Watch these words. Verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is not quite as good as being on the earth, but it ain't bad. Is that what it says? To depart and be with, what, happened, what is heaven? It's not gates and, and streets. It is to be with Christ. He said to depart and be with Christ, which is what? A little bit better. Oh, I think, I, I think the struggle is we've never seen it, so we don't know what it's like. Okay, I understand that. Take God's word for it. It is far better. Friend, let me point something out. We had a young man out of living free that passed away suddenly last week, Lynn. Wonderful guy. He, he was on drugs. His life was ruined. God restored his life. He was a, an exemplary guy. Katie and I got to talk to him a little bit, a little while back at the last graduation. I told her, I said, look what God has done in his life. Just a great guy. And he died suddenly last week. Heart attack and just died suddenly. And it, it's terrible on the family. It was it's so shocking when a young guy, just 30 some years old, falls over like that. It's hard on the family. It's hard. He had a son, had a wife, hadn't been married about a year. It's so hard on the family. But listen to me. That was the greatest day of his life. Sad for folks left behind. Heartache. That's why we weep with those who weep. But you know, the Bible says weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. That's the greatest day of his life. I almost at this age go, dang, beat me there. Dear ones, to depart and be with Christ is not moving to the basement. We are the people of God who can't wait to get there. That's the reason I enjoy my life so much. Today was beautiful, a little cold, but it was beautiful for us thin-blooded people. It was beautiful, but just imagine when I get done enjoying all these beautiful days and these beautiful people and these beautiful fish, I'm going over yonder. I mean, this is an upgrade any way you cut it. The people of God can't wait to see Jesus. Their whole joy is Him. So you, you sound a little, you sound like a religious fanatic. Oh, Jesus, let it be. You know what a religious fanatic is? That's somebody that loves Jesus more than you do. That's what a religious fanatic is. All right, we're the people of God who worship God in the Spirit. We're all about the Spirit. All of our joy is in Jesus. Then it's all about Jesus. I mean, let's talk about Jesus. Let's love Jesus. And then the third identifying mark is, let's look back in Philippians 3. We're there. Verse 3. We are the true circumcision, true people of God who worship God in the Spirit, number one. Yes, we've got to honor the Spirit of God. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. What's the third one? We want nothing to do with the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. We don't like the flesh. I, the older I get, the less I can stand the flesh. Now, flesh, in this case, does not mean ugly flesh. 
Galatians 5 talks about the works of the flesh, which are murder, covetousness, deceitfulness, lying, adultery, drunkenness. We're not talking about that. Flesh in this case, in this case, is talking about human goodness. Now, this is, where, this is what really causes a lot of people to trip up here. We want nothing to do with the flesh. Do you remember we read in John chapter 3, verse 6, where the Bible said this? Jesus said, and he's talking to a flesh man, a religious man who didn't know God, didn't know the Spirit. And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is of God, it's Spirit. I want you to learn the difference between these two here. There are three elements to the flesh. Here it is. They have, they are, the flesh is human origin, human effort and ability, and ultimately human glory. It has a human origin. It's born of man. It has to be carried and done by human effort of man. And ultimately it's for the glory of man, not the glory of God. That's what the flesh is. And the Bible talks a lot about the flesh. And uh, it can be good, but it's not God. And these are religious programs that were not born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God's not in them. They're not being carried by the Spirit. I mentioned to you the United Methodist denomination that I think they announced their launch this past week. They'll vote this summer to break loose. Let me tell you something. That's not born of God. That was born of human origin. That's a human idea. People think it'll be a good idea. And let me tell you something. When they launch, human flesh is going to have to carry it because God's not going to put his hand on it. Listen to me. If it's born of the flesh, it'll have to be carried by the flesh. You can't ask God to bless your idea. If it's born of the flesh, flesh is responsible for it. That's what it means. If it's born of the flesh, it's flesh. But if it's born of the spirit, if God starts it and God says, let's do this, then it'll, be, it'll have the spirit's touch on it. Why, how, can there, how can you explain so little fruit in America in our churches today? If it's born of the spirit, God's hand's going to be on it. I've told you this before. Great picture of this. I'm coming out to Blue Ribbon Diner one day and he asked, just I'm on the sidewalk and he just asked me, said, why'd you pay for dinner? And I said, because I ordered it. And if I ordered, I got to pay for it. And he said, why didn't you pay for the four guys in the booth behind you? And I said, I didn't order what they was eating. And if I don't order it, I don't have to pay for it. He said, that's how my ministry works. Son, everything I want to do in this earth, my hand will be on it. I'll make it work. But if you think it up, I'm not responsible for making it happen. It's born of the flesh. It was a human, maybe a good idea. Somebody says, oh, Brother Brian, how many, I, how many people come to me with flesh-born good ideas? Somebody says, oh, Brother Brian, you know, we got all these truck stops here in our county. I say, yeah, I know where the truck stops are. And all those truckers, you know, they're there on the weekends. And they, they don't go to church. They're traveling. We should set up a church. And I'm, I'm telling you one that came to me. We should set up a church at the truck stop and send somebody to preach to all those truckers. You know, they're from all over the nation. They could carry the gospel back. We need to do that. That's a, hey, how many of you know that's a great idea? I don't care whether it's a great idea or not. I want to know, is it a God idea? And I said, all right, I'll pray about it. And I pray about it. And the Spirit of God said, I didn't ask for that. So I go back and I said, I don't, I don't believe the Lord's in this. Y'all know what a blowfish is? Here's my, here's my uh, the, listen to what Jesus said. The kingdom of God, church, kingdom of God in church is like a man who throws the net. And he brings up every kind of fish. I wish you only brought up snappers. But when you set up a church and you open the door, say, come one, come all, you bring in every kind of fish. You get some fish are so narrow, 
And they got both eyes on one side of their head. <laughs> they can't see nothing on the other side. You got to sneak up on them to show them something. And then you get, and I hate these little fish. Some people call them puffer fish. I call them blow toads. I catch them when I'm fishing at the coast. They're little dinky, good for nothing things. And you catch them and, and their defense mechanism is to they blow up so fish can't swallow them. All you got to do is just touch them. Well, I got blow toads in my church here and you, you don't give them what they want. I mean, none of them are here tonight. It's just y'all tonight. Oh gosh, we're on camera, aren't we? Oh. There was the wisdom that is from above. See, a, that's a sign right there. I got it. The wisdom that's from above is not offended. And on occasion, are you ready? On occasion, you'll pull up a shark. Shark in the boat ain't good. Are you with me? Can I tell you one of the dumbest things I ever did? You say, you mean there's more? <laughs> I'm fishing by myself salt water one day, which is not a good idea. And I'm fishing for sharks. I love to fish for sharks. And I caught this shark and it wasn't that big, maybe 150 pounds. And I caught him and it got him wore out. And uh, I don't know, sharks are just nuts. I love them. They are pure muscle. And when you catch one, they're not like the average fish who fights a little bit. They thrash until they die. They're going to expend every ounce of energy. And there comes a place where they have exhausted themselves so completely that they just belly up. They don't die. They're just out of gas for a while. They can't move anymore. And you've got about two minutes to get them unhooked and turned around and just wait. They'll come to life and swim off. So I'm fishing by myself one day. And I caught this shark about 150 pounds. And I, he was, to about 15 minutes, he was wore out beside the boat. I want to take a picture. Well, it's just hard to pick up 150 pounds of one hand and picture with the other. And I had a rope around his tail. I said, I'm going to get him in the boat. I'm going to lay him across the transom. I got two or three minutes here before he comes alive. So I reached under and heaved and pulled him over the side and laid him across the transom, the back of the boat back there. I got up on the uh, cooler there and I'm going to take his picture. And I underestimated how long I had before he came to life again. And he got down in the floor of that boat and I'm up and he is giving it for all it's worth down there and he's alive now. I'm thinking, well, can't go down there because hunt that ain't big enough to kill you, but you'll sure spend the afternoon in the doctor's office getting your legs sewed up if you get down there. And I came up with this idea. The tail rope was still on his tail. I said, I'm going to grab that rope and I'm going to give him one mighty heave and I'm going to fling him over the side of that boat. All right, so I put one foot on the side of the rail of the boat, one foot on the cooler, and I grabbed that rope and I heaved as hard as I could heave and I caught him in mid-bend. And as he came up, he hit me with his tail in the leg and then he grabbed hold of the control wires off the back of the motor. Well, his body weight pulled him on over. All right, now I got a big bruise on my thigh and I don't even know if my boat will crank because I think he bit that cable in half. Here's my point. You do not want a shark in the boat. I, I've learned. That was my lesson right there. Then when sometimes you get sharks in the, in the, if you throw the net, you're going to get all kinds of people. All right, that was my fishing tale for the night. I just, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. That felt so good to just talk about church members. I just thought I'd throw that in there. 
forgive me. I'll fix the thing afterwards there. We're back at truck stop. And truck stop help, that's a great idea. Set up a ministry to help the truckers. What if the Spirit of God didn't ask for it? What if he don't, what if it's not his plan? Then it's born of the flesh. It's a human idea. I got to go down there and get somebody to go down there or I got to go down there and preach to them truckers. God's not in it. They don't want to hear it. I don't like it. And we're back at an American church again. There was, we, we don't want anything to do with the flesh. The people of God don't. They want that which is born of the spirit, carried by the spirit and for the glory of God ultimately. Everything we do, every song we sing, everything I preach, excluding fishing stories, every ministry we have here, we need to ask, what do you want done? Amen. We want it born of the Spirit, so it'll be carried of the Spirit. And we don't want anything else and, uh, at all. Now let's, let's look at a picture of this before we're done. Philippians chapter three. Let's read verse three again. We are the true circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in the flesh. Now here's his definition. Verse four. Though I also have my confidence in the flesh, if anybody else thinks you got confidence in the flesh, I have more than you. So he's fixing to say, look, I got flesh. He said, my flesh is better than your flesh. And he describes it. Here it is. Verse five, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, there was no fault in me. But everything that was dear to me, I have counted loss for Christ. I count all things lost for the excellence of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Did you get that? I'm going to put it in language you can understand. Here's a modern parallel. You think you're spiritual? I was Baptist. I was born in a Baptist family. I was born in the fundamental wing of the Baptist family, the fundamental wing of the Southern Baptist family. I was a Baptist preacher and I was the most passionate Baptist preacher there was. I'm using this as an illustration. I'm not knocking Baptist. This is what it, he's talking about his denomination, how he led the way. He said, but all my religion, I threw it away so I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what he said. He's not talking about bad flesh. He's talking about good religious flesh. And again, I'm not knocking Baptist. They've done wonderful things. They, I got saved through the Baptist. But there are a lot of people within every organization. They don't love Jesus. They're not followers of Jesus. They're just religious. And he said, you think you was religious? He said, I was the most religious person I knew. What do you do with his religion? I, what does it mean counted it as rubbish? It ain't nothing but garbage to me now. All I want to do is know Christ Jesus. Right back to Jesus. He said, it's all about Jesus. And that would be today's equivalent. Now, here's my, uh, can I throw my opinion in here? So much of what goes on in churches today, and I'm not being critical. It, it is so weak because it is born of the flesh instead of getting on our faces and saying, Holy Spirit of God, take over my life. You lead, you direct. I want to see what God can do. I want to see it born of the Spirit. Alrighty. Now, there was what you just saw right there is the always Word of God for the rest of your life. I am, I am amazed at the things that are going on in our nation today that the Spirit of God is not in and, and it's passing for good stuff. Listen to me. For the rest of your life, here's the test you hold up. Does this honor the Holy Spirit? Is this all about Jesus? Or is this a fleshly human endeavor? That is the litmus test for the rest of our lives for everything we hold to. All right, before we quit, let me ask you one question. What about you? 
How about you personally? We've talked about churches tonight, organizations. What about you personally? If I were to come in, and I've asked a lot of people in my 40 years, are you a child of God? Are you a Christian? And uh, most, most of the time people say, well, yeah. Yeah, like why you ask such a dumb question? <laughs> because the king told me to ask you. That's why I ask you. Or if I were to ask you, you were a child of God. I've, I've asked many a person, are you a Christian? And they'll say to me, I, I, I've been in church since I was a baby. Is that an answer? Going to church won't make you a child of God anymore and sleeping in the garage will make you a Toyota. I'm not being unkind. You say, was it that big a deal? It's the biggest deal on the planet. Only one thing matters. Am I in or am I out? You say, Brother Brown, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's real to me. Jesus is the reason I live. I love Jesus more than I love anything else on this earth. And to be quite frank with you, Brother Brian, I've had about all the religion I can stand. You just passed all three tests. And anything except that, we have got to get back to what does this book say and stick with this thing. I'm going to say it again. I am stunned in this Bible at uh, the messages of Jesus toward the end of the age, how that we could miss it. And I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I, the I think the awfulest thing that could ever happen would be one day stand in front of Jesus and have him say, I never knew you. And you were chairman of some committee at a church, attended church every day of your life. That'd be tragic. Our right, friend, we're going to pray here. And I want every person in this room to say, Brother Brown, I, I just can't imagine having to do that. Listen to what the Bible says. Examine who? Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. If you've never done this before in your life, you owe it to yourself to do this one time before you fall over. I don't care if you're 16 or 116. There needs to be a time in your life when you pause and say, I've been going to church for a long time and I'm one of the best people I know, but am I really, really a child of God? What's the test? Is the Holy Spirit real to me? Is Jesus the delight of my life or do I just hang around the church? Well, dear ones, let me tell you something. We need to examine ourselves. For two reasons. Number one, if I say, man, the Holy Spirit's real to me. He's in me. Who, who is this inside of me here? Jesus is the joy of my life. And I can't, church drives me nuts apart from Jesus. Then you, you need to examine, you need to say, yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. I am confirmed in the family. Guess what else we need to do? Because you need to say, you know what? I've been going to church all my life. I don't understand what they're talking about. I don't understand this Holy Ghost stuff. I don't, he's weird to me and I don't, you know, Jesus is all right. He was a great guy, I guess, but he's not real to me. You need to examine yourself so you can get to him. So you can say, you know what? I need to get to him. Here's one example. It happened in this church. I can't remember how many years it was ago, six, eight years ago. We had a, a couple puffer fish showed up in my office one day. It happens a lot. And let me make an announcement. I can be a flounder, a puffer fish, and a shark all in one day and turn around and be good in the end. We all go there. Can, we, can I get a witness? We all screw up once in a while. Okay, good. Had two puffer fish showed up in my office one day and they were fighting with each other. I said, well, I love to do this. Come in and let me listen to y'all fight. Y'all just sit here. Y'all go at it. Let me just listen to y'all fight and, and I'll just sit here and enjoy it. And they were going at it. I mean, it got hot and heavy in there. It was ugly for a little bit. And uh, finally they just stopped and looked at me like, okay, Mr. Referee, who won that one? And I looked at a lady. She'd been going, she worked in our church here. She'd been going here for years. She's a friend, a personal friend of mine. And I said, you know what the problem is? 
And I could see it in her eyes. She thought, he's fixing to jack him up. I said, the problem is, you're not even born again. You're not even a child of God. You're not even saved. I said, that's what started this whole thing. She got so angry with me and she jumped up and walked out and slammed the door. And the other one sitting there said, I guess we're done, aren't we? I said, I guess so. I just hate that kind of stuff. So he got up and left. I said, pray for yourself. He got up and left. I sat there. About an hour later, she didn't even knock. She opened the door and walked in and her shirt was wet with tears. And she did down and she said, you're right. She said, I've been trying to be good all my life. She said, I've been going to church and trying to do the right thing and never could understand why I struggled. She said, I was so, I could have killed you when you said that. She said, I got home and I just sat down and she said, God spoke to me and said, that man's right. But you can know me. You can be saved right now. And she said, I've come back here to get saved. Worker in our church, good lady, sacrificed for her children. But I knew she wasn't saved. And she got saved. And let me tell you something, a good woman was changed that day. She became a woman of God. She was just a different person after that. We're still friends. And uh, you know, you know how, how many tell you, that's terrible. That's wonderful. I wish that happened to every person across the land that has been in church or whatever that Jesus is not real to. Jesus needs to be real to you. It is so easy to get a drunk, whoremonger, thief saved. They know they're in trouble. It's hard to get good people saved. Because before you get saved, you've got to get lost. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for your goodness. You never do anything except to reach out to people in love and draw them to yourself. I want to praise you and thank you for your word. Dear Lord Jesus, I've seen such a change in my 40 years. I remember when people didn't like you, but everybody believed the Bible. Everybody knew the truth. We're living in the craziest days now where the strangest things are happening. I just want to pray over everybody in this room and everybody listening. I, I pray that as your word would just be powerful in their hearts and say, do you love the spirit of God? Is the spirit real in you? Is it all about Jesus? Has Jesus captured your heart? Is he the dearest thing in all the world to you? More dear to you than your wife? than your husband, than your children, your parents. Is Jesus the dearest thing in the world to you? Can you? Are you just sick of dead religion and the flesh? Father, if they can't honestly say that, I pray you draw them to yourself right now. You're always reaching out. There's something unusual about this message. All day long, there's been something unusual about this. And I believe you're going to draw people to yourself, even surprise on a Wednesday night. I just pray for every single person here watching. There's anybody that has any question, why would we not settle this tonight? I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. Friend, Jesus loves you. He's real. He's the only thing worth living for and he's the only thing that's going to last for all of eternity. If you need to pray tonight to just open your heart to Jesus, humble yourself. I don't care if you're a good person. So what, what would other people think? Who cares? What Jesus thinks is the only thing that matters. I want you to humble yourself right where you're at. Just pray a simple childlike prayer. And just like the religious man came to Jesus and said, explain this to me. And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. I pray for them tonight. Right there where you're seated or your living room, wherever you're at. 
pray this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. I ask you to forgive me my sins tonight and come into my heart. I need you. You are my Lord. You're my Savior. Be the love of my life. I want to give everything I've got to you this night. Follow you forever. I want you to be real to me. Tonight I come to you with all my heart, humbly as I know how, opening my life to you. Dear Jesus, come in. Change me. I want to be what your word says. Trust you for that. I believe you. And I open my heart to you tonight. And I want to thank you and praise you for loving me. Speaking to my heart. Drawing me to yourself. I give you all the praise and glory. Help me to love you like I've never loved anything in my life. Tune my heart to hear your spirit. And set me free from the dead religious stuff that I didn't enjoy anyway. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being good to me. I give you all the praise and glory. In the mighty, precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.